0: We do not struggle against guilt. Guilt is given. We struggle against the reality of sin in our lives. And by the way, that struggle not only looks like a life of constant confession, seeking Christ's absolution, but it also looks like a life that looks sin in the eye when it comes and says, in spite of my own impulses, no, you hurt me. And you hurt everyone around me. Law in its three uses does not have to do with three different things or three different
1: kinds of laws, but they have to do with how one law functions in three different situations. Hello, folks. Welcome to In Layman's Terms. Matthew Garnett here, as always. Check us out on the web at laymanstermsradio.org. Send your questions and comments to discussion at laymanstermsradio.org. Friend us on Facebook. Just do a search for Matthew Garnett there, and you'll find me. Send me a friend request. Also, like us on Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash laymanstermsradio. And, yeah, be sure to check out our sponsors on the page there. And, hey, donate. We're donating now. I haven't reminded you about this in a while. But I wouldn't mind a donation, a couple of you out there throwing me some bones, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So, we're going to get on with uh, more of this antinomian stuff. I know maybe you're getting uh, a bit sick of this, but um, I think this is a this is a real danger to the gospel, and it's something we should recognize. A lot of times, as we've been doing the podcast here for, for a while now, we talk about evangelical preaching and the all-law preaching last week. i Trotted out an all law sermon, and the and again my contention is, uh, to, much to the consternation of, of some of my listeners, the problem with evangelical preaching is not their law preaching. Their law preaching, generally speaking, can be good. The problem with their preaching is that there's no gospel there. So in effect, they try to steer the law toward the third use. In other words, this is how you should behave. These are the rules you should follow and so on and so forth, and they forget or they try to downplay the idea that the law the is also accusing the people who are hearing it. Now, what we don't want to do is slip into the equal and opposite error of trying to dial the law into the second use only. And I'm going to play a couple of lectures for you that, that pinpoint some some things, really some evaluation factors you can, should consider when you're listening to any given sermon. Some uh, sermon evaluation criteria. As, as I've been doing this a while, I'm starting to find that evaluating sermons becomes trickier and trickier. Some of them are easy. I mean, we, we've got the Olsteins, we've got uh, the Rick Warrens, we've got the Bill Hybels of the world, we've got uh, the Andy Stanleys. Those sorts of things are easy. We, we can identify uh, the fact that most of the time they are preaching all law. And the majority of the time, they're not preaching biblical law. They're making up law, like your purpose or your best life now, these sorts of things. Those things are very easy to to identify. What becomes difficult is when we sit before our pastors in the pews in the church, and we listen to what they're preaching, and we evaluate it against the truth of Scripture, sometimes that, that gets tricky, and we hear a sermon, and we think, well, there's just something not quite right about that sermon. It just didn't quite have the. There was just something missing, and and it wasn't that the the preacher wasn't entertaining or funny or whatever. That's that's all superfluous icing on the cake stuff. That's that's irrelevant. What we're talking about is content. And when I hear a sermon, and I go, there just there was something just not quite there with that sermon. What I want it, what you want to be able to do is identify what that is. And so we're gonna ha- we're gonna. Uh, bring in two lectures here really. One is from Pastor Todd Wilkin at the 2017 Redeemer Conference and the other one is Dr. D- uh, David Scare of uh, Concordia Seminary Fort Wayne giving a lecture at this year's symposia at the seminary and we're not going to play the lectures in their entirety. I, I will tell you that if you want to hear these lectures in their entirety, entirety, first of all for the, for the Wilkin lecture you need to go to uh, the Rede- uh, Redeemer Lutheran Church website and that is uh, redeemer-fortwayne.org www.redeemer-fortwayne.org. Go to the news feed and on there you'll find uh, a, a, a news post called Redeemer Conference 27, 2017 videos are now live. Um, th- those lectures are found there. The one in particular I'm going to be uh, featuring here is the one on radical lutheranism but all three of those lectures there are, are really helpful one of them's on ethics and marriage uh, by dr ben mays and I, I couldn't recommend that more as well just for uh some some resources uh and and the uh, the other one um you're gonna have to, if you want that lecture you're gonna have to contact me so just send me an email at discussion at layman's dot and i can send you a link uh to <clears throat> to that lecture by dr scare so that's what we're going to do on this episode. We're going to to play portions of these sermons. I'm going to make comments uh, throughout. Try to decipher maybe some of the uh, the, the, the scholarly language. Again, the, the one uh, Pastor Wilkin gives is more on a uh, popular level, lay level. It's pretty easy to understand what he's talking about. I may I'll make some comments here and there on that. Uh, but but Dr. Scare is, is speaking at the symposium, so he's mainly speaking to colleagues there. So there might be some stuff that is a little bit difficult to decipher. Some stuff I didn't completely understand myself, <laughs> but most of it I think I got. And you know I can kind of un- unravel that. And really the portions I'm going to play are, should be pr- fairly self-evident to you, I think. So so we're going to go through it. And, and basically what I want you to get out of this as as, a, as another layperson is just some some ways to evaluate. The preaching you're hearing, all right, and you take these the kind of these criteria. We talk about you know criteria to to evaluate sermons to figure out you know what's what's going on, and then when you know perhaps you're listening to your preacher preach, um, and you're detecting some of these things, you can just bring it to his attention. You know, kindly, gently, these sorts of things. You know, and just encourage, hey, you know, I I felt like I was hearing this in your sermon. These sorts of things. This is going to hit a little more close to home, especially. Uh, for some of you Lutherans, and for those of you out there who do have good good preachers and teachers and these sorts of things, but it, but you're detecting kind of a pattern of, eh, there's just something missing um, in this sermon. And if you're like me, I, I listen to all kinds of stuff. So this is just more stuff for you guys out there that I've come across to evaluate what you're listening to and, and to say, oh, that's what's wrong with that sermon or that's what's wrong with that lecture, that's what's wrong with that radio show, that's, that's this piece missing, and I'm hearing this consistently um, in the in this particular brand of teaching. So, hopefully that will be helpful to you um, in, in detecting these sorts of things, and, and looking for, for good preaching, and, and particularly demanding it from your pastor. Your pastor should be preaching well to you. Um, it, it is a difficult craft, it really is, especially when it comes to the law preaching. That's what I'm starting to discover, is that the key to law gospel preaching... Certainly the gospel has to be there. And guys do well in articulating the gospel in sweet ways, and that's good. But that's all set up and all contingent on how strong their law preaching is. If their law preaching is right there in the pocket, that's what we what we say in bands. You know, I'm a drummer, so we say we play in the pocket. If that law preaching is in the pocket... His gospel preaching is going to be amazing. And he's going to deliver the goods to you just like he's supposed to. The word rightly preached. That's what we're after. That's what pastors should always be evaluating, even you know, uh, with themselves. And so this may be helpful to some of you pastors out there to, to really take a look at some of these these bullet points that I'm just going to kind of ferret out of uh, of these lectures And just take a look at your preaching and say, hey, am I struggling in these areas? Am I uh, guilty of doing this or that or the other thing? And how can I sharpen up my law preaching? Because if you sharpen up your law preaching, your gospel preaching is going to get right in there. Okay, so without further ado, let's get to it. And the first lecture up we're going to start is uh, Clichés That Have Been Harmful to the Reformation, Radical Lutheranism by Pastor Todd Wilkin. Here we go.
0: Listen to a popular evangelical without really realizing that the problem wasn't, we'll use Rick Warren. The problem wasn't that he was preaching almost all the law, it's that he just never got around to the gospel. And if he did, it was always some sort of footnote stuck in at the end for the occasional unbeliever who might be showing up. Sign the card in the back, the elders will call you later, and then we'll get you involved in a board or a service here at Lakewood or something like that. I listened to Joel Osteen, and I realized, you know what, what Joel Osteen has to say a lot of times is crazy, but when he starts giving advice, it's just kind of advice you could get from a, a therapist who went to a really, really bad school. Much of what he says, laying aside his theological framework for a moment, isn't really false. It's true insofar as it goes, some of it. Advice on how to be nice is what I call it. And much of what people are hearing in the evangelical church, is not wrong. Now, I got to say, some of it is just flat out wrong. But in terms of the moral teaching they're hearing, it's biblical, it's true, it's right, but it is never followed. The way that God designed his language to be spoken with the message of the gospel.
1: Okay, so this is what I was basically trying to point out last week with, um, with Dr. Lawson's sermon. Exactly what Pastor Wilkins is pointing out here. And part of the reason I'm playing this is because I don't want you guys to think this is my own idea. This is being seen by several people uh, that I respect that are trained theologians who are pastors and professors. So this isn't just something that I'm seeing and detecting in preaching, you know, just as a layman. This is something that's being seen in in preaching just across the board. And so it's something that you pastors should be warned about. You should listen to. You should understand that this is not only something that is being seen by those who you should probably consider to be your elders, Pastor Wilkin being one of them, but it's, it's something being seen by lay people as well. And so that's the thing. is, for, for those of you who listen to my program, most of you are laymen. There may be some pastors out there who check this out. But most of you are laymen, and what I want—basically, what I want to show by this—is that I'm not crazy. I, I'm not just uh, some nitpicky layman out there looking for every little single error I can come up with in somebody's preaching. This is being seen uh, by by credible individuals as, as well, and we're all kind of homing in on this idea. So that's the thing. Just what I pointed out um, last week with Dr. Lawson's sermon some of the moral teaching he had there was spot on. Was it harsh? Yeah, it was harsh. It was law preaching. The law preaching is supposed to be harsh. If the law preaching is not harsh, it's weak. And weak law preaching is going to make for weak gospel preaching. That's the point Pastor Wilkin is making here. And so, we need to identify what the errors are in other preaching and avoid those to be sure. Uh, But What he's going to set up here is it's wrongheaded to react.
0: That's really the point here. Let's continue on. That law is never answered. It's just left ringing in people's ears. And our confessions make this. It's the only time our confessions ever say that the law only accuses. Our confessions say the law always accuses. Not only, except in one place. And that is where Melanchthon says, I believe it's Melanchthon, without the preaching of the gospel, the law only
1: accuses. Okay, let me just point out a couple things here. We're talking about three uses of the law. Use number one, it's a curb. We should fear the punishments. We're driving down the interstate in our big rig, and we're doing 90 miles an hour. We see a police officer. We slam on the brakes. Because why? Because we fear the punishment that could come from us breaking that law. That's the curb of the law. We fear the consequences that us breaking the law will have on our lives. Use two, the mirror. The law shows us our sin, points us to Christ. Use three, the law guides the Christian in acts of love and service to the neighbor. And so what Pastor Wilkin is talking about here is the law does all these, all three of these things. Now, I don't know if I'm right on this. Maybe some of you uh, Lutheran pastors out there, Pastor Poitier, maybe you can correct me on this. But, I'm starting to understand, just from my perspective, that when I hear the law preached, all three of these things are going on. I fear the consequences of my sin. I see that I am a sinner and in need of a Savior. And then thirdly, I see things, when the law is properly preached, Where I can better love and care for Jen, my wife. Or Isaac and Amelia, my children. So all three happen to me in any given sermon at my church. And so I'm starting to think that good law preaching does all three to any given individual. It's not just going to do one. It's not just going to make you fearful of the consequences. Although it's going to do that. It's not just going to make you um, feel condemned and accused... And and force you to turn to Christ in the gospel, but it's also it's going to instruct. you. It's going to do all all three. And and what Pastor Wilkin is trying to point out here is that there's no point in time where the law only does one of these things. It's doing all three of these things in each individual all the time, and maybe more so in one individual from another. But but preaching should be uh, the proper law preaching should be doing all of these things. The law. It, um, when we say the law only accuses, then that's taking the law in in, in, a, in a wrong sense. That's what that's what Pastor Wilkins is pointing out here is that the law is just isn't only accusing, but it's also curbing. It's also guiding. Um, the only time it only accuses is when there's no gospel behind it, and that's what we saw in Doctor Lawson's sermon last week. Many of you. Uh, several of you sent me notes about that and saying that was just too much, and I'm I agree. The reason it's too much is because there's no gospel behind it. But what I'm starting to think is that many of you out there have not heard that kind of law preaching coming from your pulpits, and therefore you haven't heard the full sweetness of the gospel on in a lot of, on a lot of occasions. And what I tried to point out in in that evaluation was I had Doctor Lawson brought the the full sweetness of the gospel, that would have been a complete sermon and you wouldn't be complaining so much. <laughs> so again, what Pastor Wilkin is pointing out here is when you when you preach the law with no gospel, it's it's only going to accuse. It's never going to instruct, it's never going to curb, it's just going to accuse. and that that's what's that's what's going to happen despite you know any interactions from the crowd, these sorts of things that's another issue. The point is, the the law and the gospel must be preached. When the gospel is not preached, the law is only going to accuse. That's what he's trying to say. It's only going to make you feel like a condemned sinner and with no remedy. Got to follow it up with the gospel. All right, let's continue on.
0: With the preaching of the gospel, the law always accuses, but it doesn't only accuse. So we don't respond to the errors of evangelicalism like some kids sitting at the less popular, sub-popular table and say, if the evangelicals are getting this wrong, we're going to respond with an equal and opposite error on the other side. No, Lutherans need to base our preaching and our teaching on what our confessions say we believe. And our confessions happen to say that the proper fare for Christians in and out of season, as Scripture says, is... All of the things that God's Word has to say, including rebuke and exhortation and instruction in righteousness and all of those things. In other words, just because the evangelicals do nothing but instruction in righteousness shouldn't stop us from doing it in its proper place in in relationship to the gospel.
1: That's a great point. I was an evangelical pastor and preacher, and this is how we taught. We would teach people to be moral and ethical, There is nothing wrong with that. If your preacher is not teaching you these things, he's wrong. He is not preaching the law in its full sternness. Now, for those of you who are looking to come into Lutheranism or, or, or have come into Lutheranism thinking that you're going to escape moral and ethical teaching, you're barking up the wrong tree. You are because if a a Lutheran pastor is preaching properly he's going to be teaching you how to be a moral and ethical person and you should do these things these are things that are required by the scripture they are not optional we are required as Christians as St. John teaches us quoting Christ's words that we are to love one another as Christ loved us we are to lay down our lives for one another Love for the Christian is not optional. It is required. Required for what? Required for love and care for the neighbor. It's not required for us to earn salvation. That is true, but it is required of the Christian. And if your pastor is not teaching you how to be a loving and caring person, he is not teaching you morals and ethics from his pulpit and in his Sunday school classes and in the remainder of his teaching, he's wrong. That's a bad pastor. You need to confront him about it and if he d- will not change then you need to find another church to attend because he's not teaching properly. Right? That's the point and I can't make that point more strongly. Because A if you don't have this kind of teaching, you're going to turn into a wrecking ball to your your wife, your children and those around you. I've been there and done that. You try to live without morals and ethics and you're going to become a destructive force in this world. And Christians are not called to this. That's, that's A. B, if your pastor is preaching and teaching this soft law or this sloppy law where he doesn't include moral and ethical instruction in his teaching and preaching, then you're going to lose the gospel. Because invariably, so goes his law preaching, so goes his gospel preaching. And you're going to lose the gospel. And that's what you you folks, if you're listening to some sermons and you're going, there's just it's not quite something there. What is it? A lot of times this is what it is, especially especially if you're listening to Lutheran preaching, unfortunately. You'll say, I mean, I listen to sermons like this all the time. I'm going, well, there's nothing there that's necessarily wrong, but, what, but something's just missing from this sermon as I can kind of compare it to some other sermons I've heard. What is it? A lot of times it's this weak law preaching where there is not definite instruction on moral and ethical behavior on a regular basis. Now, does that mean your pastor has to get up and talk about being moral and ethical every single Sunday, Sunday in, Sunday out? Probably not. But it should be thematic in his preaching. He may not bring it up all the time, but it should be something that's there. It should it, it it shouldn't certainly be absent or rarely found in the preaching. Okay? That's the point being made here by Pastor Wilkin. Let's continue on.
0: What's marked radical radical Lutheranism of late has kind of been this allergy to the law. And the allergy um the reaction is. Of various stages. Sometimes it's just hives, you know, just I'm uncomfortable with it. And sometimes there's the, the throat closes up, sorry, and, and their eyes swell and things like that. The, the reaction to the law has been in, of various kinds. But Lutherans are not allergic to the law, it's part of our native language that God, has, God teaches us to speak. To unbelief, we speak it and it, it accuses. But to belief, it speaks and it accuses, but it also guides and instructs. It teaches. And again, just because the evangelicals insist on doing but nothing but teaching the law should not stop us from doing it in its proper place. <clears throat> a couple other things, and here's my laundry list. I got a 10-minute signal here from Michael in the back. Um, here's my laundry list of some other features I, I'll just leave you with things that I don't have time to expound upon <laughs> you can have me back again I think often in, um, in radical Lutheranism sin which is described in Holy Scripture in terms of the Ten Commandments and all the commandments of God and comes in every shape, matter, or form and, and finds its way into every little facet and nook and cranny of our lives is reduced down to one thing in radical Lutheranism, and that's just self-justification. In fact, sins tend to lose their particular character. Sin becomes defined not by any specific command or law, but, they just, but just by this kind of impulse in man, which is there to self-justify.
1: Okay, real quick, let me just talk about radical Lutheranism for those of you who aren't familiar with any of this kind of language. Basically, what, what Pastor Wilkin is talking about is weak law preaching. And that's what we've been talking about for the past, I can't, um, all this year so far, uh, the past month, is weak law preaching. And, and that's, that's re- you can just use those terms interchangeably for our purposes here. Maybe there's not a one-to-one correlation, but that's what he's talking about. He's talking about pastors and preachers and teachers who have sloppy law preaching. Their law preaching stinks, essentially. Is what's going on here so just think of it that way radical lutheranism equals bad law preaching which is going to inevitably give you no gospel or very little of it uh or some of
0: it but not enough of it makes sense but that's not how god presents the law he presents the law with particular words and commands he, he gives sins names if the only sin there was at its heart Was simply self-justification That would be one commandment Okay,
1: great point there by Pastor Wilkin When you're listening to a sermon You you should be hearing the pastor Bringing the sin out of the abstract He should be naming sin He should be talking about Being disobedient to parents Being uh, insubordinate To employers Fourth commandment stuff, Right? Hating our brothers, holding a grudge in our heart. One one of my one of my favorite pastors to listen to is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and he talks about this in, in a sermon um, uh, about you know uh, where Jesus talks about taking you know taking the log out of your own eye before you fish the the speck out of out of your brother's eye. I would encourage you to look this up. Go to, to hope uh, dash aurora and uh, that's that's their website, or you can just Google uh, Hope Aurora Wolfmiller, whatever. Look up the sermon called "Log Removal Program." This is exactly what he's talking about here. He's bringing sin out of the abstract, and he's putting it. in I mean, he is bringing the law to the people there. It's a it's a, it's a great sermon, one of my favorites of his. So I'd encourage you to, to check that out. Uh, but that's the idea. We've got to bring the, the uh, we've got to bring sin out of the abstract and give it a name good law preaching does this and it points the finger at you and says you do this repent and believe that you're forgiven and then do better that's another key to law preaching it's not just repent and believe that you're forgiven that's true that's that's the freeing gospel but it also is accompanied by a desire to do better because we don't want to be destructive to those around us okay so, that's the idea there. When you're, looking, when you're listening to sermons, the point is, you want to hear your pastor, the preacher, the teacher, bringing sin out of the abstract, and bringing it home to say, Oh, yeah, okay, now I see what he's saying by sin. It's not this abstract concept. concept it
0: has a name. Do not self-justify. But God has noticed, and seen in our great need, because of our sinfulness, that he must... Name names when it comes to sin. There's a tendency to look at good works as defined by the law. And that is to say, here's the Ten Commandments, and guess what? That's what good works actually look like. There's a a crystal clear picture of good works in the Ten Commandments. There it is. This is what the life of the Christian ought to look like, doesn't but ought to and this is the life God's calling you to by faith in Jesus Christ he's calling you to that life that looks like well whose life does it look like? it looks exactly like Jesus but sadly I think in radical Lutheranism good works are defined um, especially good works when they're defined by the law are somehow suspect as being partakers of legalism This is a big one. When you're listening
1: to a sermon, if you're hearing a pastor disparage good works or piety, and what I mean by piety is Bible study and church attendance. That's essentially what piety is. You're a pious person if you study your Bible, you pray, and you go to church. These are good things to do, Christian. (laughs) And if you're not doing these things, repent. You should be studying your Bible, you should be attending church, you should be praying. If you're hearing a pastor disparage these things, red flags should go up. If you're hearing a pastor disparage good works toward the neighbor, red flags should go up. That's what Pastor Wilkins is pointing out here. Okay? If this is this is... Now look, some of these things can become sources of pride for Christians. And in certain congregations, maybe this needs to be addressed. But really the issue is not the piety... But the pietism, now let me tell you what I mean by that. Piety, Bible study, prayer, church attendance are things that should mark the Christian. But if the Christian is taking those things and and puffing themselves up and making them proud and saying, oh look at how much Bible study, prayer, and church attendance I accomplish, and they're proud of that, maybe they should be asked to repent of their pride. Okay? Fair enough. (laughs) But My estimation of the American Evangelical landscape, and that includes Lutherans, that's everybody, is that prayer, Bible study, and church attendance are not uh, sources of pride or problems for most people. Most people um, don't pray, don't study their Bible, and don't attend church. Their problem is not taking pride in these things. The problem is that they're not doing these things. And they're, 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 they're breaking the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in His word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. They're breaking the third commandment. They're breaking the second commandment. You should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, lie, use witchcraft, or deceived by his name, but call upon it in every trouble. Pray. Praise and give thanks. When we don't pray, we're breaking the second commandment, and by default, breaking the first commandment of faith. Okay, Christians need to be called out on this. Most of the time, in this day and age, Christians don't need to be checked on their prayer, Bible study, and church attendance because it's a source of pride for them. Sometimes that's the case. Most of the time it's not. If you're seeing this as a theme in preaching, whether it's your, your own pastor's preaching or preaching you're listening to on the radio or on somebody's website, etc., etc., if you're seeing this as a theme, you've probably got an antinomian on your hands. Somebody who doesn't value piety. Somebody who doesn't value good works and love and service to the neighbor and doesn't encourage these things okay it's just a red flag that's what pastor Wilkin is pointing out red flags you may not see all of these but you may, be, may see one or two it should make you raise an eyebrow and say oh ah I see what's wrong here he's disparaging good works and piety he's disparaging my love and care for my neighbor he's disparaging my prayer Bible study and church attendance that's not good your pastor should be encouraging you in these things alright And when a pastor says, well, if you're doing those things, you know, if you're focused on those things, if you're focused on loving care for your neighbor and your
0: piety, then you're a legalist, essentially, then that's a problem. Watch out for that. Let's go on. Sometimes in radical Lutheranism, the law is reduced to its existential effects. And I don't, I'm trying to think of a better way to say this, but it's kind of like the law is what makes me feel bad. A lot of things make me feel bad. My wife made corn chowder the other night. I said, honey, the corn chowder did not sit well with me. I said that the next morning after suffering much that night, um, like Pilate's wife. (laughs) It made me feel bad. That's not the law. That's just living in a fallen world. And they're two different things. I think sometimes in radical Lutheranism, the Christian struggle against sin is replaced with a struggle against guilty feelings. Now, that's a strong point. Because here's the deal.
1: One of the things I think we as humans battle is guilty feelings. We want to figure out a way to get rid of our feelings of guilt. And Pastor Wilkin is going to point out something very important about this But just keep that in the back of your mind One of our goals as humans is to get rid of guilty feelings And not actually address the issue We want to put a band-aid on those guilt feelings And not actually address what's causing those guilt feelings Listen
0: on here Baptism calls us into a life of struggle, a life and death struggle against sin. But there's a big difference between living a life struggling against your real inward sin, your own, the word is concupiscence, and living a life that is simply struggling against feeling guilty. You know, a lot of things relieve guilt. That much of a bo- out of a bottle of bourbon... Relieves guilt in Todd Wilkin really well, temporarily. But if if I had that much bourbon, guess what? I'm not sitting there feeling guilty about a thing. It also takes my worries away, temporarily. We do not struggle against guilt, guilt is given. We struggle against the reality of sin in our lives. And by the way, that struggle not only looks like a life of constant confession, seeking Christ's absolution. But it also looks like a life that looks sin in the eye when it comes and says, in spite of my own impulses, no, you hurt me and you hurt everyone around me. I think sometimes in radical Lutheranism, the Christian struggle against sin is described as futile, which, by the way, Scripture never, ever says. Now, if your struggle is to be sinless, that's a futile struggle. But if your struggle is against your sin, that is never futile. Christ joins you in that struggle. He has already defeated your sin. He has you firmly in his grasp, and he is struggling against your sin with you. Okay, that is critical point
1: and this, this is something that should raise all kinds of red flags and say okay false teaching when you hear somebody preach in such a way that you're sitting there thinking you know there's really no point in me struggling against my sin any longer I'm never going to overcome it it's a futile effort so I should just give it up no if you remember a few weeks back we reviewed the lecture by Pastor Kevin DeYoung where he really homed in on this idea of struggle, weakness yes, we have that capitulation, no Christians we don't give in to sin we're going to struggle against it, we're going to be weak in our struggle against it, but we will not capitulate to us We are the church militant. We fight. And our fight is against sin. And just like Pastor Wilkin pointed out, sin is not just some taboo thing. Sin hurts you. And it destroys those around you. And we are called as Christians to love one another. And to battle this inclination that we have to destroy ourselves and destroy other people. And so if a pastor is standing before you and he is speaking in such a way as to paint sin as this as this futile battle that should just be given up on he's wrong he's teaching falsely in fact he's turning the law into the gospel he's saying that your struggle against sin you don't you no longer have to participate in that struggle you no longer have to put in the effort to stop destroying yourself and those around you. You can give up on that and just capitulate to sin. If that's what you're getting from your pastor, and when you hear sermons, and when I hear sermons, I'm saying something's not quite right with this. This was Tolin problem. This is how he preached that the struggle against sin was futile, and it's not. As Pastor Wilkin rightly pointed out, our Lord Jesus joins us in this. The Holy Spirit speaks to us about this in, in, in the Scriptures. And inspires us to continue the struggle. Again, we are the church militant. We fight. We do not capitulate. Okay? So when you hear pastors saying that it's okay to capitulate, know that they're preaching falsely know that this is not proper law preaching.
0: Let's continue on. And if Christ is with you in that struggle, it cannot be futile. I think sometimes in radical Lutheranism, repentance is assumed even in unbelievers. I don't know how many times I've heard Lutheran preachers say, all those people out there, they're so beaten down by the law. They don't need to hear more of the law. They need to hear the gospel. They do need to hear the gospel, but some of those people are not beaten down by the law. They might be stressed out, and some of those people hate God. All I know is I'm a believer and I still need to hear the law. Don't tell me unbelievers don't. I need it every single day. I think in radical Lutheranism, the Holy Spirit's, Spirit's uses of the law are often abandoned. I think uh, I've often said, usually in the order three, one, 3rd use of the law is the first one to go. Then God's civil use of the law is disregarded. And then finally, even the law that accuses us of sin is dispensed with. Luther observed this about the original antinomians back during his day. Okay, I'm not, I'm not sure I quite agree
1: with that. I'm, what, what, I, what I observe, I'm not totally disagreeing, that the, that the uses of the law get dispensed with in, in a certain order. But what I'm observing is a lot of pastors completely dodge the notion of God punishing us for our sin. You do realize that when you sin, the Lord has put in place certain consequences to punish you and discipline you for that sin okay you do something wrong at work you violate a policy you could get fired that is God disciplining you punishing you so that you don't commit that sin again a loving father disciplines his children as the writer of Hebrews teaches us and so What I'm wondering is... Well, I'm not completely disagreeing with Pastor Wilkin. What I see lacking in a lot of preaching... Is this. That the Lord will punish you... If you commit a sin. He might. You can ask Him. You can pray. This is what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses... As we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray in this petition that the lord would not punish us according to our sin in uh, as in so far as the the temporal consequences go now we know the eternal consequences are taken care of we're not going to be uh we're spared the eternity of death and hell that's a big deal but the lord is not going to withhold certain punishments and consequences from us temporally because he loves us he's our father he's going to discipline us okay so I see that, that use of the law going. The, the idea that God does still punish sin. We think that because we're spared an eternity of death and hell, that God also is going to spare us the punishment of our sin here on earth in a temporal way. And, and God does not do that. He allows us to suffer the consequences of our sin sometimes in order to discipline us into being better people. And so I see that, that use of the law being skirted a lot. And then I see the really the third use the, quickly following after that. So it's a minor point, but, but Pastor Wilkin is right. You, you start with, with either the first or the third use, you, you, you hack that edge off of the law, and then you try to dial in or narrow the law down to its second use. And eventually, as I pointed out last week, And in these preceding weeks, when I've been talking about this antinomianism, that even that use gets abandoned. And so eventually, you become hyper grace and and preach that the law really has no use for the Christian at all, only the gospel is important. Okay, just wanted to throw
0: that in. My opinion. Let's continue. The gospel sometimes is replaced with, we're all sinners. That's not the gospel. That's, in fact, the law. <coughs> Scripture's warnings against falling away from the faith may be minimized or ignored. I see a creeping once saved, always saved in some Lutheranism today that really concerns me because that is... Uh, and sometimes it's presented in the, in the, in the, in the name of baptism. that somehow um, the, you need not, need not worry about falling away from the faith... And I've got to ask, if, I, if that's not something God wants me to be concerned about, why does he continuously warn me in Scripture against falling away from the faith? It's like saying, God warns you not to touch the hot stove. Don't touch hot stoves. They're really bad ideas. Don't touch a hot stove. And then saying, well, you know, um, I don't think I can touch a hot stove.
1: This is an important point. Because, friends... The reality of things are, if you persist in a besetting sin, this is a potentiality that that could result in the loss of your faith. That's just reality. And that's why, this is what Pastor Wilkins is pointing out. This is something that even we Lutherans don't like to talk about a lot. The fact that you can get involved in a besetting sin that can take you out of the faith. That can cause you to lose the Holy Spirit. Okay? And we we talked about this a few weeks ago, that there is actually a certain comfort in this. And and if you need to, go back and listen to that episode. I think it was a couple episodes ago. Uh, But you can lose your faith. And you can lose it by veering off into besetting sin. And there are honestly of Lutheran pastors I listen to there's scant few who bring this topic up alright you can walk away from your faith you can forsake the faith and one way to do that is just to go out and start start sinning that's the first step not sure when it happens Um, this is something I did in my life And the Lord rescued me out of that. God be praised. Uh, But it's not something I would recommend you try. It's very dangerous. Uh, I'm, you know, I I don't know how to phrase this, but lucky that the Lord pulled me out of my quagmire. But I would not test him on this. Would not encourage you to go out and, and engage in all kinds of besetting sins to see if the Lord will pull you out of that. That's... Very unwise thing to do. Okay. Something you don't hear from a lot of pulpits these days. Hardly any. It's a good point, Pastor Wilkins bringing you up here.
0: That's dangerous. I think that often in radical Lutheranism, man's sinful condition is described as though. A person's sin qualifies him to receive grace, rather than grace being entirely unconditional, even on sin. I think sometimes in radical Lutheranism, any encouragement or instruction in good works is considered to be legalism. In which case, we've got to toss out Paul and Jesus, not to mention the Reformers as legalists. At the root of that, I think, is a view that may be that the law is the source of legalism. Dear friends, the law is not the source of legalism. My sin is the source of legalism. Legalism is nothing but my sinful misuse of God's law. Ironically, I think the fe- in radical Lutheranism, the effects of the law are attributed to the gospel. I've heard more, and I'm going to just issue this week... The next issues, is etc., journal where I talk about this. I've heard more and more Lutherans talk about how the gospel brings us to repentance. They base it on a passage of Hebrews that teaches actually the opposite. And if the gospel brings people to repentance, then the gospel has been pressed into the service of a, a job that belongs only to the law—that is, to condemn sin. If you oh, it's shocking! Wait till you read the rest of the, my journal article. Uh, Gerhard Ferdy just comes out and says you know if you're preaching the law and it, doesn't, it and it doesn't convict people of the sin preach the gospel that'll convict them of sin because actually if you look at it he doesn't view law and gospel as two separate words of God he just views them as kind of two ways we hear God's word that's crazy and then finally I think in radical Lutheranism The law may be avoided to such an extent that the gospel is pressed into the service of the law not only in terms of producing repentance, but things like, I remember hearing this in seminary, gospel imperatives. So in the name of kind of preserving the the gospel, the gospel is made to do the law's job. When the gospel is made to do the law's job, guess what you've got? You've got the law. I'll just say by way of wrapping up in one minute, This, what I'm talking to you about today, may, uh, this, this part may be a little disjointed, it, is, it has been a personal and pastoral struggle for me. It has been a series of what my, my former colleague, Michael Kuhn, used to call, Come to Jesus Moments. Wilkin on these subjects. Where I realized, as I said before, that what I had been preaching and teaching was not wrong insofar as it went, but it didn't go where the Lutheran confessions instruct me as a pastor to go. It didn't go where the whole way. I had taken Lutheranism and I'd lopped off this branch and that branch. Sometimes I was taught to do it. Sometimes I just did it out of convenience. Theological laziness made it easier to be a pastor. And it was Lutheran flavored. And the average person sitting at one of my sermons wouldn't have said, that doesn't taste like Lutheranism. It would have tasted just enough like Lutheranism to convince you. And it had all the buzzwords, baptism, Lord's Supper, all those things tossed in. But it was not a one-for-one reflection. And look, if you're going to be a subscriber to the Lutheran confessions, it's got to be a one. Insofar as in you lies, it has to be a one-for-one reflection of what the confessions teach. What I see in radical Lutheranism is the funhouse mirror reflection of what the confessions teach.
1: That's it. Okay, so obviously we're not going to get to Dr. Scare's lecture this week. We're going to reserve that for next week. I think both deserve uh, some pretty good attention here. Some of you out there are pastors who listen to this podcast. And just like Pastor Wilkins said, you need to have a come-to-Jesus moment on this issue. Because there's a lot of you out there that are doing exactly what Pastor Wilkin is talking about. You're preaching a Lutheran faith that is Lutheran flavored, but it is not the Lutheran faith. And I did not come out of 10 years of evangelicalism and 10 years of liberalism to a faith where eventually I'm going to lose the gospel because the preaching is going to drive me in that direction I'm not got to be praised there are plenty of Lutheran pastors who still preach the law in its full sternness and the gospel in its full sweetness but there are many of you out there who are Lutherans, or claim that you are Lutheran, who are not doing this. And if I were a pastor, if I were one of your colleagues, I would tell you to repent. And have this come to Jesus moment that Pastor Wilkin is talking about here. Stop making excuses for your preaching. Those of you laymen who are sitting under such pastors who are seeing all these red flags that that, we've, that Pastor Wilkin has pointed out here and I've expounded upon in this podcast, you need to confront your pastor and say, if you don't stop preaching this way, I am going to move and go find another congregation because you're not preaching proper law and gospel. And friends, in my Lutheran friends, I would say this, that errors in the Lutheran faith have been corrected most often by the by, the laity raising their voices and that's why I enjoy being a Lutheran layman an educated one, to be sure but I can raise my voice against this and so can you and I would ask you to do that I, I would ask you to uh, start speaking out against this Lutheranism light that's being preached out there don't stand for it, raise your voice against it uh, dare your pastor to excommunicate you because you're going to bring him up, bring him up on charges of false teaching. Be bold, because this this kind of preaching that Pastor Wilkin is speaking against is is going to cause you to lose the gospel. It is weak law preaching, sloppy law preaching, preaching that doesn't teach you the the, the morals and ethics that are presented to us in Holy Scripture. Is going to cause you to lose the gospel. It will. And not only that, it's going to ca- going to cause you to be and continue to be a destructive force to you and to those around you. Okay? It's a serious. It's a serious stuff. You don't want to go there. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. So, we're sounding the alarm here. Keep a sharp eye out for this preaching. I would encourage you, especially, to keep a sharp eye out for this in uh, particularly Lutheran uh, popular organizations. Just leave it at that. Popular Lutheran pastors and professors teach the way the Pastor Wilkin is speaking against and we need to have this fixed and it's going to get fixed. it will. they'll either have their come to Jesus moment or they'll fall off into obscurity and the Lutheran faith that is the Christian faith will continue on. For those of you who aren't Lutheran um, continue to challenge your your pastor and say hey you know I appreciate your moral and ethical teaching. It's really good. Uh, could you preach the gospel to us sometimes, right? Um, and those of you who are experiencing this totally individual liberate type of preaching in your church, you need to challenge your pastor. Anyway, we got to close it off for this week. We're going to do Dr. Scare next week. That's that's the that's the game plan. Pastor Wilkin this week, Dr. Scare next week. Hope I was hoping I'd get both of them in, but it's just not going to happen. Anyway. Thank you to all of our sponsors Gene Talley, Cody F. Miller, Michael Omquist, Five Iron Frenzy, uh, Eric and Polly Rap. Um, check out uh, comptech.com for royalty free music. we got to close it off for this week. We'll see you next week. son. Hey,
0: preacher man, give me his gospel, give me his body.